on Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. You know who I am, but if you don't, I'm your host, Jake Weaver. And as usual, we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, more love. How is everybody out there? I'm so glad you're here. We're going to be doing another Beyond the News episode. We got a great response last time. We did be on the news for last month. It seems like it could be a monthly or bi-monthly thing. We're going to do another Beyond the News, and we're going to talk about all the strange things that are going on around the world, here on Earth. And with us, with our lecture episodes or our uh, Beyond the News episodes, I'd like to have a guest. And today... As before, we have Bryn Anderson of Vital Force Serps. Bryn, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, every time. Every time. Every time. I- <laughs> she, I- it's so fun. It's so fun <laughs> to come hang out. And, and uh, we have. You've got some interesting articles today. That yeah, we're, we're going to talk about, out. we're going to talk about uh, a lot of really cool stuff. We're going to, you know, it's really interesting. It has incredible flow. We're actually going to hear some audio. You're, you're going to absolutely love it. Okay. But before we get into that, if you haven't done this already, I need you to do this for me. Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That's the address. You go there. You click the follow button. It puts me somehow. I, I'm not sure how it works. It puts me in the algorithm in some way where people that don't know about me because you're cool. And the things you like align with what they like. They get suggestions. The word spreads. What the guests are trying to get out to the world expands. It gets out there more. If you follow me, Spotify, you can follow me there. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, there's a button that you can click that connects us. And then you get notifications. So you never miss an episode. Or whatever we do, you're never going to miss it. But especially, you're never going to miss a podcast episode. Midnightonearth.com. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot. Don't forget to tell a friend. So I did that backwards today. So it's, you know, every episode's a little bit different. So we're going to talk about some of the great things that have shown up on Earth's newsfeed, our wonderful planet Earth. So much high strangeness and really exciting, interesting things. And here we go. This is from BBC. Psychedelic therapy could reset depressed brain. As if we didn't know that. I mean, I don't think people take psychedelics and get depressed. uh, Usually, maybe every now and then. But here we go. A powerful hallucinogenic drug known for its part shamanic rituals is being trialed as a potential cure for depression for the first time. Participants will be given the drug DMT. Followed by talking therapy. It's hoped that this could offer an alternative for the significant number of people who don't respond to conventional pills for depression. I don't think anybody responds to conventional pills for depression. It just somehow does stuff. 
Psychedelic assisted therapy might offer long-term relief from symptoms, some researchers believe. A growing body of evidence indicates other psychedelic drugs. This is so funny. I don't mean to laugh, but it's like, this is like, welcome to what I've already known <laughs> Come for on. Like 30 freaking years, but whatever. Okay. A growing body of evidence indicates other psychedelic drugs, particularly alongside talking therapy, are safe and can be effective for treating a range of mental illnesses. This will be the first time DMT is given to people with moderate to severe depression in a clinical trial. You have to say DMT that way because it's DMT. Dr. Carol Rutledge, the chief scientific officer of Small Pharma, the company running the trial, said, we believe the impact will be almost immediate and longer lasting than conventional antidepressants. Well, look, like I said, welcome to what I've known for 30 years. Wow, people are not depressed when they realize that there's something more to their third dimensional experience than just the eat, sleep, work, chop, die cycle. They expand their consciousness a little bit. They understand there's something more going on. And oh my God, they feel better about themselves. They feel better about the world. Whoa, man. What a revelation. You don't live in the artificial matrix and you're a happier person. What do you think about that, Bryn? I think it sounds like a great idea. I think uh, it should definitely be tried out. Let's try it. Let's try it. Okay, so there's other things going on. Okay. There's all kinds of research into psychedelics, various psychedelics, and different uh, mental health issues, PTSD, depression, anxiety, essentially anything any kind of emotional or psychological or spiritual affliction where you feel this like deficiency of happiness. They're, they're trying to do research in all of those fields in order to close the gap and bring you some sort of treatment that actually is functional. You know, we have, like I said earlier in my little rant, we have the chemical treatments, but there's other research going on. This is an article from the guardian. This is called, the headline is Non-Hallucinogenic Psychedelics. I, I try not to laugh. I'm sorry. It's hard to read these words and, and just not laugh in my mind. I got to keep it in my mind. Non-Hallucinogenic Psychedelics, Scientists Close In on a Compound. Okay, so you got psychedelics are non-hallucinogenic. So what does that mean? You think of the word psychedelic mind manifesting. So does that mean it manifests the mind? Here's what they say. Researchers have identified a psychedelic that doesn't trigger hallucinations. A key. Oh, what? I want my money back. <laughs> yeah, a key I don't want my hallucinations. Yeah. What's a going key, on here? Exactly. A key discovery that could allow scientists to accelerate the development of easy use treatments for mental health and neurological conditions. Researchers are racing to harness the therapeutic potential of psychedelics for poorly treated conditions such as depression and PTSD. I was just saying that. While antipsychotics typically work by altering brain chemistry, psychedelics appear to promote neural plasticity, essentially allowing 
the brain to rewire itself. That's really interesting. That sounds like a way more long-term <laughs> approach, I would yeah. say. Okay. Yeah. But the psychedelics being tested as treatments currently require supervision before, during, and after administration due to their hallucinogenic properties. So critics also worry that the medical use of psychedelics could promote the recreational use of these drugs. A non-hallucinogenic psychedelics could be a Goldilocks compound for you. Just right. But finding one at the moment is an onerous proposition involving protract and animal testing, said David Olson, an assistant professor in the Department of Chemistry, the University of California, Davis. So the lab of his colleague, Lynn Tan, an associate professor at the School of Medicine, engineered a sensor that glows in the presence of a hallucinogenic compound when it interacts with a serotonin receptor according to a study published in the journal Cell. This receptor is the target of both psychedelic drugs and classic antipsychotic medicines. So essentially they have a sensor. They could see when the serotonin receptor hits the hallucinogenic compound and makes a little glow. And they're like, look, there it is. Look, it's doing it. Okay. Using their sensor, the researchers have homed in on hallucinogenic and non-hallucinogenic psychedelics. A particular interest is a previously unstudied non-hallucinogenic compound, AAZA154. Oh, you know about that? <laughs> they got, they've had that on the street forever. AAZA154. <laughs> oh, dude, it's awesome. That has so far produced encouraging results in animal studies similar to the impact seen with hallucinogenic psychedelics, said Olson, adding that the drug is now undergoing safety testing before being taken to early stage human trials. Wow. So that's really interesting. You know, they're doing more research. They've got a sensor now that can pick up when you get high. Do you have a sensor brain. that picks up? I, an energetic <laughs> sensor. I, I would say a uh, psychic, psycho, psychic, psycho, spiritual sensor. Not Psych a little red button. Man, that's hard to say. Psycho, psychic, psycho, spiritual sensor. Say that five times fast. Holy banana pants. Okay. Let's move on. Here's our kind of a funny sound story. This is from sfgate.com. A San Francisco tech CEO said he was ousted because he used LSD before a big investor's meeting. Well, what happened? Did he microdose or let's hear about it? A report by Bloomberg Businessweek says that the idiosyncratic CEO of a San Francisco startup was ousted due to his use of LSD in the workplace. Justin Zhu, a co-founder and the former CEO of the email marketing firm Iterable, confirmed to Businessweek that the incident did, in fact, happen. He attempted to take a small dose of the hallucinogenic known in some circles as microdosing before a key investors meeting in 2019. It didn't work out. He said that he saw numbers and images swelling and shrinking on the screen and that his body felt like it was melting. Whoops. <laughs> so much for the <laughs> microdose. <laughs> you were supposed to take like 10% of it. Yeah. That's but you know, so Hey, it was probably a great meeting. <laughs> Quirks that are now commonplace in tech culture, casual attire during fancy meetings, Drug use in the name of bolstering productivity and grandstanding, conceptual thinkers, 
ended up being a thorn in iterable side. Per the Business Week report, despite the company being valued at a couple billion dollars. Wow. So he got high. He got too high. He people got too high. Are the taking, yeah, people are taking these microdoses. And I've said this before earlier in the series in our show. Previous episode. I couldn't tell you which one. But I feel like microdosing is making up for deficiencies in natural nutrients. So you're looking for this serotonin boost. You're looking for these hormonal reactions from microdosing. But the hormonal reactions feel off because you have a deficiency in the materials and the nutrients that the hormones are made out of. So if you boost those, and I'm talking about iodine specifically for those that know, you boost those compounds. And I'm not a doctor. I can't give legal medical advice, but this is just what I do for myself. You boost those hormones with natural compounds. You get your serotonin levels up naturally. Then you don't need to microdose. All the benefits of microdosing come from getting your nutrients naturally in the right place. I think that microdosing is supplementing for a nutrient deficiency and all the mood elevating effects and the clear thinking and all that's gained from that can also be gained by just boosting your hormone production naturally. So there you go. Next article, United States set to allow more facilities to produce marijuana for research. I heard about this. This is from sciencemag.org. Moving to end one university's decades-long monopoly on supplying marijuana for U.S. research, the DEA said last Friday it will soon issue licenses to a number of growing facilities. Since 1968, only one operation, the University of Mississippi, has been licensed to supply marijuana to U.S. medical researchers who want to explore its value for treating conditions, including post-traumatic stress disorder and chronic pain. There's How that word again. PTSD. A man? lot. Like, oh, I think. my God. I just think, I think a lot. that while living in the matrix will definitely, if you cannot get outside the matrix and your consciousness, and my matrix, I mean, just out of the third dimensional, very baseline perception of reality, the standard standardized paradigm that you're fed. If you can't get out of that matrix, you're going to have PTSD. If you can't live outside it and work within it, you're going to have PTSD. The DA announced on its website that it sent a memorandum of agreement, an MOA, to several manufacturers that applied for licenses to grow cannabis for research studies. The memos come less than six months after the agency published a final rule describing how exactly the program would work. And they mark a huge shift after years of delayed license applications. Although consuming marijuana is legal for medical purposes in 36 states and for recreational use in 17 states, consumption remains a criminal offense under federal law. Here's a quote. We were euphoric. This is a victory for scientific freedom. It's finally a chance to use real-world cannabis in our own studies and supply genetically diverse cannabis to scientists across the nation, says Sue Sisley, president 
and principal investigator at the Scottsdale Research Institute, which received one of Friday's MOAs. In 2019, SRI sued the DEA to force it to end years of delay in processing license applications. So that's really cool. So essentially, there was one facility that grew all the cannabis for the world's research. Interesting. Or at least the United States' research. And now everybody's going to be able to grow their own. All those facilities are going to be able to grow multiple strains. That's really good news. So we got some good news in there. Now let's travel to Egypt. And this is from EgyptianStreets.com. Egyptologist Zahi Hawass announces discovery of lost Golden City in Luxor. This is pretty cool if you are into Egyptology at all like I am. They found a huge city, a city that's never been found of this size, or at least hasn't been in a really long time. Shouldn't say never, but here we go. Egypt's Ministry of Tourism and Antiquities announced on Thursday that an Egyptian mission under the supervision of Egyptologist Dr. Zahi Hawass discovered a city dubbed the Rise of Aten, which had been under the sands for 3,000 years, dating back to the reign of Amenhotep III. The statement, which was shared on the ministry's social media pages, adds the largest city ever found in Egypt was founded by one of the greatest rulers of Egypt, namely of the new kingdom, Amenhotep III. Many foreign missions searched for this city and never found it. We began our work searching for the mortuary temple of Tutankhamun because the temples of both Haremheb and I were found in this area, Zahi Huas said. The city streets are flanked by houses, which some of their walls reach three meters high. We can reveal that the city extends to the west all the way to the famous Deir al-Medina. I hope I said that right. Sounds like it might be the biggest city they've ever discovered. That's pretty pretty amazing because they're finding new things. There's so much yet to be discovered under the Egyptian sands. You know, we dug out the Sphinx. At certain times, they dug out other pyramids. They found pyramids way buried under the sand. And now they found 110 ancient tombs the Nile Delta. So this is from physics, not physics.org, but phys.org. Egypt archaeologists unearth 110 ancient tombs in the Nile Delta. Dang. Egyptian archaeologists unearthed 110 burial tombs at an ancient site in a Nile Delta province. The graves, some of which have human remains inside, were found at the Kom el Kulgan archaeological site in Dekalia province around 150 kilometers northeast of Cairo, the ministry said. They include 68 oval-shaped tombs dating back to the pre-dynastic period that spanned 6,000 to 3150 BC, the ministry said. Archaeologists also found human remains of adults and children and funerary equipment and pottery objects in these tombs, the ministry also said. 
The discovery is the latest in a series of discoveries in recent years for which Egypt has sought publicity in the hopes of reviving its tourism sector. Tourism has been badly hurt by the turmoil following a 2011 uprising and now the coronavirus pandemic. I want to get to Egypt. I'll get there eventually. Zahi, I'm coming. Zahi Hawass, I'll catch up with you. Don't worry. My tourism money is coming to (laughs) Egypt eventually. What an interesting picture of all those tombs with the remains you can see. I think it's so interesting that within a certain amount of time, humans just decide that it's okay to dig up the graveyards. You know, you wait, yeah. ah, once you hit like the thousand year mark, it's like, okay, that's it's like fair game or something. It's not a graveyard yeah. anymore. Yeah. It's now an archeological site. We're going to dig everything up and analyze every aspect of it. It's really interesting. At some point, this was just a graveyard, but now it's an archeological site. How do we decide that as humans? That's a good question. So we're going to talk, oh man, we're going to talk about so much stuff. We're going to have some audio from some of these stories because there's been a big uptick. I didn't just want to go right into the aliens. Okay. I didn't just want to go right into aliens because everybody's been talking about it. I've been telling people for 30 years, you know, since I was a young guy, preteen, I've been telling people I'm into extraterrestrial life, the concept of aliens. I knew they were here. I felt them intuitively just as other energy sensitive people have. Heck, I could be a star seed, just like Searsha Claire says, and so could Bryn, and so could you, who's listening. So there's so much talk about aliens right now. Everywhere you turn, you see some media outlet talking about some recent admissions or some new information related to UFOs or also UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena, including the recent admission from former president Barack Obama, which we're totally going to listen to the audio of that. And it's going to be mind blowing. It's going to blow you away. So I've sent up this segment. We're going to listen to these things and we're going to hear some audio and some of them. And here we go. This is from the independent. UK. Pentagon confirms Leaked video of UFO buzzing Navy warships is genuine. A video shows what appears to be pyramid-shaped objects hovering above a Navy destroyer. The Pentagon has confirmed that images and videos showing unidentified flying objects buzzing over Navy warships off the coast of California were taken by Navy personnel. The photos and videos were gathered by the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force and leaked to filmmaker Jeremy Corbell. They're incredible videos. One of the videos recorded in 2019 shows what appears to be a pyramid-shaped object hovering above a Navy destroyer, according to Mystery Wire. Mr. Corbell said the video was taken on deployment from the USS Russell. He said he verified the video's authenticity after gaining information from a Pentagon intelligence briefing. Wow. In which officials confirmed the footage was shot by U.S. Navy personnel, according to the New York Post. Mr. Corbell said that the briefing listed multiple events involving several ships in July 2019, and there were some drone sightings on the 14th and 15th of July. And by the way, 
On the other ships, they had different things that happened. So some were just like lights that did figure eights and patterns and 90 degree turns. Others were like a different color light, like red, he told Mystery Wire. A Pentagon spokesperson confirmed that the photos and videos were taken by Navy personnel and the UAP task force has included these incidents in their ongoing examinations. This comes just a week after Admiral Michael Gilday, the chief of naval operations, said he had no idea where the drones that chased U.S. destroyers originated. The Pentagon announced last year the establishment of the UAP task force to improve its understanding of and gain insight into the nature and origins of UAPs. Essentially, it's a task force. They're trying to figure out what these ships are because they're admitting it. They're admitting it. So this is from 2015. Look, we're going to listen to some of these audio clips to just kind of set the stage to how these big figures like President Obama and President Trump and, and other figures have come out and talked about UFOs in a way that's never been talked about before. So this is from way back in 2015. Here's a brief clip of then-President Barack Obama talking about aliens. Here we go. So this is something I feel like, if I was the president, and it's unlikely that that is ever going to happen. You never know. If I was the president... It was unlikely that I was going to be president. (laughs) The moment I was inaugurated, my hand would would just... It'd still be hot from touching the Bible, and I would immediately race to um, wherever they hold, have the files uh, about Area 51 and the UFOs. Yeah. And I go through everything to find out what happened. Right. Did you do that? That's why you will not be president. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, that's, that's, that's the first thing that you would do. Um, <laughs> the the aliens won't list. let it happen. <laughs> you reveal all their secrets. <laughs> they, 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 they exercise strict control over us. Now, you know, there are a lot of people that oh, are going to examine your, your facial expressions <laughs> like here, um, every, every twitch, everything, oh, no. and say, and of course, so did you look? Did you see? Did you explore? I, I, I can't reveal anything. Oh, really? Because President Clinton said he did go right in, and he did check, and there was nothing. Well, you know, that's, that's what we're instructed to say. <laughs> oh, he's not joking around, is he? You're not right. joking, are you? Wow. And that's that what we're instructed to say. Jimmy Kimmel show. So that was, okay, so that was 2015. And now we're going to go into President Trump, then President Donald Trump, talking about UFOs with Tucker Carlson who's a news commentator here in America about UFOs. Here we go. You gave an interview the other day in which you said you've been briefed on unidentified flying objects. Are they, are they real? Uh, well, I don't want to really get into it too much, but personally, I tend to doubt it. Uh, I mean, you have people that swear by it, right? And pilots have come in and they said, and these are pilots that are not pilots that are into that particular world. But we have had people saying that they've seen things uh, I'm not a believer, but, you know, I guess anything's possible. We spoke to a government official recently who said the U.S. government had wreckage from a UFO in a, in a facility on an Air Force base. Are you familiar with I that? I haven't heard that, no. I haven't heard that. Uh, it has not been within government. has not been a big thing, but I've seen it. I've seen it on your show, but I've seen it. 
I don't assume it's correct, but, you know, I have an open mind, Tucker. <laughs> no, you do, Mr. President. Thank you for that. Nowadays, you can believe anything, right? <laughs> so, okay, so then that's setting the stage. So now let's go to just something that happened just a couple days ago, or maybe it was a few days ago. Barack Obama came back. That was Jimmy Kimmel originally. They came back to late night TV with James Corden. Listen to this. This is so funny. This is just wild. This is how close we are getting to full on disclosure. I think, well, okay, well, I'll just let, we'll just go into it. I'll talk as it goes. Reggie, do you have a question for our guest this evening? Oh boy, you betcha. Imagine if you said no. Yeah. Imagine, <laughs> do you know what? No, I'm good. Do you, do you know what? I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, I have Barack a question. Say, a it goes to, uh, let's make it for uh, uh, President screen. Obama. Okay, here we go. Since he's here. Uh, <laughs> all this talk about dem aliens uh, with uh, the, the, you know, what are the UAFs or whatever they call them, you know, all the footage and everyone talking about it. It's like, right, right. what is your, like, I know that doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean aliens. It, it is just a UAF. But I was wondering if you have a theory about that. Here we go. Well, uh, tell us when it, when it comes to aliens, uh, there's some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. <laughs> um, but you'll tell us off air. Great. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> no, look, look, uh, the, tr the truth is that when I came into office, I asked, right? I, I was like, all right, you know, is there the lab somewhere where we're keeping the uh, alien specimens in spaceship, uh, and uh, uh, my, you know they did a little bit of research, and uh, uh, the answer was no. Uh, so, um, but what what is true, uh, and I'm I'm actually being serious here, is is that uh, there are uh, there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain uh, how they moved, their trajectory. Uh, they, they did not have um, an easily explainable pattern. And so, you know, I, th I think that we're, uh, people still take seriously trying to investigate and figure out what that is. Uh, but I have nothing to report to you today. Okay. Um, unless... Like uh, that. See, here's the question: <laughs> Reggie might secretly, Reggie might secretly be an alien, right? You remember uh, in Men in Black, and so when he asks all these questions, he's deflecting. <laughs> Think about it. Let's rewind that. I want to hear that again. I want to hear that again. What What was that, dude? What was that, President Obama? Let's hear it again. But what What is true? Uh, and I'm, I'm actually being serious here, is, is that uh, there are, uh, there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain uh, how they moved, Look at his their eyes. trajectory. Uh, they, they did not have um, an easily explainable pattern. And so, you know, I, th I think that we're, uh, people still take seriously trying to investigate and figure out what that is. Uh, 
Uh, but I have nothing to report to you today. Okay. Um, so that's a huge admission, stunning admission from a former president still active, clearly in politics. They have videos. They have the footage. They're, they're one step closer to telling us. Well, interesting. The first interview, he says, I have been told I can't say anything. And then the next, it's like, oh, well, yeah, there's stuff we don't know about. So he's clearly been told it is okay to say a little bit. Yeah, that was, you know? I think there was a six year gap between those two interviews. So mm -hmm. uh, a lot had changed since then. So, and it is multinational because from vice.com, we have the headline Canadian military documents UFO sightings. Intelligence report reveals mm. an unclassified intelligence report le links the Canadian Air Force, NORAD, Transport Canada, and air traffic controllers and its official confirmation of a Canadian UFO alert system. So they have a secret uh, UFO alert system in Canada. It's all linked to the various governmental agencies, which I think is interesting. Canada's military is being notified when pilots spot UFOs in Canadian airspace, Vice World News has found. According to an aviation incident report viewed by Vice World News, the crew of a medical, the crew of a medical transport flight over northern Manitoba reported that an inexplicable bright light followed them at the same altitude and speed well before sunrise on January 6, 2019. That morning, civilian air traffic controllers alerted the 21 Aerospace Control and Warning Squadron, a nearly 200-strong Air Force unit, at the CFB North Bay Military Base in northeastern Ontario. The intelligence report obtained by an access to information request, that must be like a Freedom of Information Act for Canada, is official proof the Canadian military is documenting unidentified aerial phenomena. Significant finding that puts Canada in line with other countries. The existence of a U.S. UFO tracking program was revealed in 2017 by the New York Times. Well, Canada's in on it. You know, the information's out there. It's getting out there. It's getting into the mainstream consciousness. They've been softening us for decades, getting to the point of disclosure so our consciousnesses can handle the concepts without literally cracking because we've programmed ourselves for so many generations with, that we're the only game in town. And we're definitely not, not even close. We're great. We're cool. I love the humans. We're amazing. We have a lot of potential. We have a great role in the universal family, but it's going to be a journey. It's going to be a process of development before we reach those higher dimensions, those higher levels of technology. But other people have, and they're out there. But let's go to the express.co.uk. They have a headline, UFO sightings, Senator warns of huge counterintelligence threat if not taken seriously. A U.S. senator has warned UFOs could be a huge counterintelligence threat if not taken seriously. Marco Rubio from Florida said the stigma 
surrounding UAPs should not prevent investigation. Senator Rubio commissioned the Director of National Intelligence with a report into UAPs due by the end of next month. Speaking on CBS's 60 Minutes, which just happened, he was just on there, that was part of this whole wave of information. He said, there's a stigma on Capitol Hill. Some of my colleagues are very interested in this topic and some kind of, you know, giggle when you bring it up. But I don't think we can allow the stigma to keep us from having an answer to a very fundamental question, he said. He stressed that the U.S. must ensure it's not a foreign adversary capability, meaning the Russians or the Chinese had developed some advanced technology. So he's wondering if they're not aliens, are they just Russians or other perceived enemies of the United States? I don't think they're enemies. I love everyone in the world. But he feels like these other enemies could have this advanced technology. I don't know. That seems that's that's definitely a stretch because if you think about how technology spreads as soon as there's some development, somebody somewhere leaks it out or through espionage, it's purchased by a country that doesn't have it until it's spread around the world. Think of the nuclear technology and computer science technology so much. The former speaker of the Florida House of Representatives added it's a huge counterintelligence threat. If that's what it is, we want to take that seriously. Okay, so, well, like I said, don't fully agree, but, hey, there's a lot of life out there. I don't don't fully agree that it's just another country with more advanced technology, but one thing I do agree is that we should be paying attention more to these things. Clearly, they're leaking it out. If you look at Jeremy Corbell's video of the pyramid shapes UFOs, they're literally pyramids flashing. You can Google that, search engine that, DuckDuckGo, whatever you use. It's absolutely stunning. So watch that one. Here we go to LiveScience.com. Aliens on 1,000 nearby stars could see us. New study suggests. There are about a thousand star systems where aliens, if they existed, could be watching us from afar. New research suggests those 1,004 star systems are in a direct line of sight to our planet and close enough to us that they could not only detect planet Earth, but also chemical traces of earthly life, like the methane in the atmosphere. They know we're here. Right. They know we're here. Thousands. We're literally, it's a, galactic fishbowl and they're all just looking at us and our windows open. I mean, it's not like we got curtains on the earth here. Okay. Here we go back to the article over the course of the last decade. Astronomers have found exoplanets orbiting distant stars using a simple formula. Keep an eye on the star and wait for it to suddenly dim. That dimming is a sign of a planet passing between the star and the telescope. Analyzing how the light changes as the star dims can reveal the chemical contents of the planet's atmosphere. If observers were out there searching, they would be able to see signs of a biosphere in the atmosphere of our pale blue dot. Lisa Katlinegger, a Cornell University astronomer and lead author of the paper, said in a statement, 
Planets, it turns out, are common in space since researchers first confirmed finding one transiting in front of its star in 1992. Astronomers have found 4,292 confirmed planets beyond our solar system orbiting 3,185 stars. No, there's no wow. aliens. No, there's, there's no nobody aliens. but us out there's there. literally just humans. <laughs> The size of dust, everything else is just a huge waste. They could have just had one solar system and fine. I don't know what God was thinking. 3,185 stars, thanks largely to the planet hunting transiting exoplanet survey satellite. The James Webb Space Telescope, slated to launch at some point this decade, should have the precision to study many of those planets in more detail possibly detecting gases like methane or oxygen in the atmospheres, which would likely be signs of life. So there's so I mean, do the math. Drake's equation tells you how many planets are out there, how many planets could have life in that Goldilocks zone, the habitable zone, where it's not too hot, it's not too cold, right? Isn't that where they... Got the analysis. So UFOs, this has been the UFO segment, but I want to just talk about one more little thing. We're going to listen to this news segment because there, everybody keeps talking about how there's this countdown. It's like 30 more days till the UFO disclosure happens because the U S government has to admit what it has based on a certain coronavirus bill that was put into play. Like back in December, I think they had like six months to do it. And now on its final month. So I've been trying to figure out, find something that could explain this. So I found this news report from Tampa Bay that did a really good job kind of encapsulating the whole concept. And it has Jeremy, you're not going to be able to see this, but if you go to YouTube and you look at report to reveal extent of government's knowledge of UFOs, from uh, Fox 13, Tampa Bay. You'll see the video that you're going to listen to right now, but you're still going to gain something from listening to it. So this is going to be really interesting and kind of explains what I wanted to know about this whole, like, what do you mean in 30 days they're going to disclose something? The government has to, why, what? Like, I've been trying to figure it out and get a clear answer. This is the clearest answer I have so far. So here we go. We're going to listen to this. Decades of public denial, the U.S. government is now acknowledging the existence of unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP, what we often call UFOs. The U.S. Senate has ordered now the Director of National Intelligence and the Secretary of Defense to deliver a report on the topic, and soon, by next month. Fox 13's Jordan Bowen checked in with a UFO researcher about what we could expect to see in this much-anticipated report. Since 2007, the U.S. government has been studying unidentified aerial phenomenon behind the scenes, collecting videos like these of possible UFO sightings. The Pentagon admits what's depicted in the videos captured by U.S. military is something they can't explain. When you see a video of something that can't be explained, it doesn't mean it's aliens. <laughs> it, it just means something's going on in the sky that we can't identify. We're going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. In 2015, the U.S. Navy captured this video on a targeting camera of a UAP off the coast of Jacksonville. So look at this thing. It's 
This video and others like it are now being studied by the UAP task force. Just last month, this video of three pyramid-shaped UFOs gathered by UAP was leaked to the public. According to the Pentagon, the video was captured by Navy officers aboard the USS Russell off the coast of California in 2019. The fact that this was some sort of hoax, that this is really a giant pyramid spinning around in the sky, that, that's, that's pretty amazing. Bill Konkoleski with the Mutual UFO Network, a nonprofit organization dedicated to studying UFO sightings, has been researching the topic for decades. He says the upcoming report, set to be turned over to the U.S. Senate next month, is a major step forward for UFO research. U.S. Senator Marco Rubio, who's part of the Intelligence oh, Committee, ordered the report, telling 60 Minutes in an interview Sunday night on CBS, the U.S. should take UFOs seriously. I want us to have a process to analyze the data until we get some answers. Maybe it has a very simple answer. Um, Maybe it doesn't. For Konkoleski, it's hard to say just how much we could learn come next month. They have a lot to release, and I think that there, it's going to be more like a drip feed out to the public than they're going to release everything at once. Reporting in Tampa, Jordan Bowen, Fox 13. Okay, wow. So they're 30 days till they have to give up all their information about the unidentified aerial phenomena. That's out there. So that was like the end of the UFO segment. We're putting it out there. I showed you how, just very briefly, with a little bit of audio, how they're leaking out this information through these big names like Obama, Trump, and Rubio. They're officials. I don't care if whatever side of the fence you are on politically or if you even care about American politics at all, but they are public figures that are releasing information in a public way. So there you go. Tell me what you think about UFOs. Email me about this segment. Tell me what you think. Contact at midnightonearth.com. So here we go. We're going to go into the next segment where we still look at some of the weird stuff that's going on in the world. And here we go to Russia, dnyuz.com. Russian Orthodox Church clamps down on DIY exorcisms after multiple deaths. Dang, there's maybe some things you shouldn't DIY. <laughs> I don't know. The Russian Orthodox Church is seeking to deter its followers from carrying out their own exorcisms following a series of deaths and injuries that have cast a spotlight on the religious ritual. Metropolitan Hilarion, who hands the... Moscow Patriarchantes Department of External Relations said that the church is drawing up a document that would set out rules for the procedure. So is there like a big deal with demonic possessions going on in Russia right now? It's really interesting. In November 2020, a video was widely shared showing a screaming 10-year-old boy in Volgograd being held down by his parents who tried to exercise him. Russian agencies reported, although the boy survived. In an interview in December 2020 with the Russia 24 News Channel, he said that an exorcism should not be carried out by an ordinary priest, but by a clergy member who had been given special authority from a bishop. So there you go. If you're in Russia, don't do your own exorcisms. Please, people. Please. So let's talk about, oh, God, here's a dark Jesus. Here's a dark ritual. KVIA.com, New Mexico 
suspect quiz on slain animals dumped in El Paso and possible satanic ritual. Authorities were investigating the discovery Monday of as many as 15 animal carcasses dumped near a northeast El Paso intersection and what may have been some sort of satanic incident. The decapitated and gutted sheep and goats were found by a resident near Dyer Street and Railroad Drive who alerted authorities. He also contacted ABC7. It did not look like the portions for eating were removed from the goats. The bodies seem intact, said Captain Ray Spears, a game warden with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department familiar with the finding, but who did not investigate the case. Satanic rituals, blood removal, possibly. Not a common occurrence, really, to see that many goats dumped like that, he said. Spears indicated that the area where the discarded animal remains were located is a popular dumping spot because there are not many people to see them, especially at night. Pull up, drag them off the back of a pickup, and get out of there, he said. The El Paso Police Department was investigating the incident as a case of animal cruelty, according to a spokesperson for the animal control unit of that area. Holy cow! Look! Why? I don't care what religion you are. I don't care what path you choose to take. There's no reason to hurt animals as some sort of symbol for your affection to some, to some deity. You're not gaining anything from it. You're not going to get any magic powers. There's nothing gained from slaughtering an animal in a strange ritualistic way. Never has been, never will be. Sorry if you think so. So now let's go into the world of futurism and artificial intelligence and all the fun stuff there. This is from NPR.org. Man who is paralyzed communicates by imagining handwriting. An experimental device that turns thoughts into text has allowed a man who was left paralyzed by an accident construct sentences swiftly on a computer screen. The man was able to type with 95% accuracy just by imagining he was handwriting letters on a sheet of paper. Whoa, a team reported Wednesday in the Journal of Nature. That's huge. What we found surprisingly is that he can type about 90 characters per minute, says Krishna Shinoy of Stanford University and the Howard Hughes Medical Institute. The device would be most useful to someone who could neither move nor speak, said Dr. Jamie Henderson, a neurosurgeon at Stanford, and co-director with Shinoy of the Stanford Neural Prosthetics Translational, Translational Laboratory. We can also envision it being used by someone who might have had a spinal cord injury who wants to use email, Henderson says, or say a computer programmer who wants to go back to work. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem, it it seems amazing, but at the same time, it seems like something that the human mind is definitely 
definitely has the capacity for. It's just not something that we practice. We're not in kindergarten, like telepathically writing down our alphabet. We're taught to write it with a pencil. But what if we were taught to do it with our mind? Then maybe that would be just something that was like, yeah, that's just what we do. Well, it's the start of getting to the point where we can communicate with each other telepathically in a focused way versus a very loose, abstract kind of synchronistic coming together at random times type way where you can't really focus on it as we develop that's going to be part of the human experience and maybe this is part of it being able to communicate with these computers via a neural link or some telepathic means will then strengthen our telepathy with each other so that's something to think about interesting yeah europe eyes strict rules for artificial intelligence says politico EU. Non-compliant companies could face a fine of up to 20 million pounds or euros or 4% of turnover. Wow. Okay, here we go. Let's let's let the AI read this article. There's a button here. It says voiced by Amazon Polly. So let's see uh, what old Polly is all about. Here we go. Europe is strict rules for artificial intelligence. Hey, I already said that. Non-compliant companies could face a fine of up to 20 million euros or 4% of turnover. Oh, so it was euros, it wasn't pounds. No HAL 9000s or Eltrons on this continent, thank you very much. The European Union wants to avoid the worst of what artificial intelligence can do. Think creepy facial recognition tech and many, many Black Mirror episodes, while still trying to boost its potential for the economy in general. According to a draft of its upcoming rules, obtained by Politico, the Did European Commission would ban certain uses of high-risk artificial intelligence systems altogether. Hold on, let's, and let's rewind that. Hold on. Obtained by Politico. Oh, I just, that, that was right on the breath. Okay, sorry. We're going to rewind this. We won't interrupt it again. Sorry, go ahead. Upcoming rules. Obtained by Politico, the let's European Commission would ban certain uses of high-risk artificial intelligence systems altogether and limit others from entering the block if they don't meet its standards. Companies that don't comply could be fined up to 20 million euros or 4% of their turnover. The commission will unveil its final regulation on April 21st. The rules are the first of their kind to regulate artificial intelligence, and the EU is keen to highlight its unique approach. It doesn't want to leave powerful tech companies to their own devices like in the U.S., nor does it want to go by the way of China in harnessing the tech to fashion a surveillance state. Instead, the bloc says it wants a human-centric approach that both boosts Block. the tech, but also keeps it from threatening its strict privacy laws. Privacy. That means AI systems that streamline manufacturing, model climate change, or make the energy grid more efficient would be welcome. But many technologies currently in use in Europe today, such as algorithms used to scan CVs, make creditworthiness assessments, hand out social security benefits or asylum and visa applications, or help judges make decisions, would be labeled as high risk and would be subject to extra scrutiny. Whoa there, Polly. And your artificial breaths. Like, that was so <gasps> weird. <gasps> Do robots... Breathe, electric breaths. They do if their name's Amazon Polly. (laughs) 
Wow, that's uh, interesting. So then oh that signals God. to the human brain that it's a human yeah, oh, talking. I felt yeah, you felt accents, and I felt coddled. I felt very like comforted. I felt like she was uh, nurturing me. Uh, you know, she could she could do my job for me. Clearly, I don't have to talk about the news at all. I could just let her do her thing, or she could create artwork. Like Sophia did. She's a NFT artwork creating humanoid robot. It's a humanoid robot. She looks, they're getting more and more human by the day. They're not at Blade Runner level yet. Maybe they are, we don't know. But the ones that are being put out to the general public are half human, half robotic, kind of. Some of them can create artwork, which I think is interesting based on some algorithm of how they do brush strokes and what they choose to do pictures of. So NFT of course is the non fungible token. It's kind of like a cryptocurrency where you can buy portions of an artwork through these pseudo tokens. So here we go. This is from Reuters.com NFT artwork by humanoid robot sells at auction for nearly $700,000. A digital artwork by humanoid robot Sophia was sold at auction on Thursday for $688,888 in the form of a non-fungible token, NFT, the latest sign of a frenzy in the NFT art world. NFTs, a digital signature saved on blockchain ledgers that allows anyone to verify the ownership and authenticity of items have become the latest investment craze with one artwork selling this month for nearly 70 million. Sophia, the robot who was unveiled in 2016, produced her art in collaboration with a 31-year-old Italian digital artist, Andre Bonacetto, known for colorful portraits, some of which depict famous people such as Tesla's chief executive, Elon Musk, Titled Sophia Instantiation, the digital work is a 12-second MP4 file showing the evolution of Bonacento's portrait into Sophia's digital painting and is accompanied by a physical artwork painted by Sophia on a printout of her self-portrait. You know, something tells me, look, I'm all about advancement for technology, but something tells me he did the artwork and he kept the money. And she, uh, you know, he's got a video of her making some brush strokes. Uh, She's got like a kid picks program uh, in her brain or something. Uh, something <laughs> push the purple. Push something the... smells fishy about that. Okay. Mm. I'm just going to say where did the 700,000 go? So, but you know, the robots can help people. Reuters.com Hong Kong robots help autistic children boost social skills. Hong Kong professor has developed an educational program using role-playing robots to help children with autism improve their social skills, part of an initiative adopted by nonprofit groups and schools. The program, Robot for Autism Behavioral Intervention, is designed for people with autism between the ages of 3 and 18 and aims to help them be more social and to resolve issues such as conflicts and bullying. The robots engage the children with role-playing and verbal interaction. Typical class involves two small robots acting out social scenarios on a tabletop 
helping the children see the difference between appropriate and unacceptable behavior such as tantrums or screaming. No preschool teachers have been doing that with puppets for years. More More than 20 nonprofit groups financed by governments and public schools in Hong Kong and Macau have adopted the program. Yu Zhuang, 41, said her five-year-old daughter has been in the program for seven months and her social and communicative skills have improved vastly. Well, the robots are helping us. They have their own consciousness. Maybe part of our role as humans is to help give birth to a new type of life, silicon-based life that we can live in synthesis with and harmony with as we spread out throughout the universe. Here's something interesting. CNET.com. NASA rover drops Ingenuity helicopter off on Mars as its historic flight nears. The tiny chopper has all four feet on Martian ground and is on its own now. So I think that's really interesting. They actually got a helicopter to Mars and they're going to fly around taking HD pictures is going to be mind-blowing for human consciousness. They're probably going to find the pyramids. NASA has plenty of experience operating wheeled rovers on Mars, but it's never tried to fly a helicopter on the red planet before. The Ingenuity Rotorcraft will get a chance to make history this month by flying the Martian skies. But first, the Perseverance rover had to drop it off on the ground. As of Saturday, Ingenuity is on its own. Mars helicopter touchdown confirmed. NASA's JPL lab tweeted, along with a photo showing the helicopter a short distance away from the rover. Ingenuity was perched under the belly of the Perseverance rover, and the process of deploying it took nearly a week. The rover's cameras have given us visual benchmarks of the progress. The latest image of Ingenuity all alone highlights how small it is against the wide landscape. The Ingenuity team will be anxiously waiting to hear from the helicopter the next day. And they did, I believe, this is from a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I think they the helicopter did take off. And it's mind-blowing to think that we have this helicopter on Mars. We're looking at photos right now. Of, wow. It's pretty amazing. We have a helicopter on Mars. Check and, it out. Yeah, with a camera. And there's the tracks. It's it's only a matter of time before they tell us everything. Maybe we are even from Mars. So speaking of which, NASA's rover makes breathable oxygen on Mars, says BBC.com. An instrument on NASA's Perseverance rover on Mars has made oxygen from the planet's carbon dioxide atmosphere. It's the second successful technology demonstration on the mission, which flew a mini helicopter on Monday. The oxygen generation was performed by a toaster-sized unit in the rover called MOXIE, the Mars Oxygen in Situ Resource Utilization Experiment. It's an acronym. It made five grams of the gas, equivalent to what an astronaut on Mars would need to breathe for roughly 10 minutes. So it made 10 minutes of oxygen. 
I mean, it could keep making the gas. This is mind blowing. They already have this technology. There, there could already be people on Mars. Little toaster-sized backpacks. Toaster backpacks. With <laughs> Ten minutes of oxygen at a I time. Mean, hey, all, it just keeps going. I mean, yeah. NASA's thinking is that future human missions would take scaled-up versions of Moxie with them to the Red Planet, rather than trying to carry from Earth all the oxygen needed to sustain them. Yeah, that wouldn't be. That makes more sense. Functional. Moxie is able to strip oxygen atoms from CO2 molecules, which are made up of one carbon atom and two oxygen atoms. Yeah, I know that. The waste product is carbon monoxide, which is vented to the Martian atmosphere. Oh, man. Oh, interesting. So there's we're, like, we're <laughs> Wait a, minute. a car there that's like spewing stuff out of the side. Wait, we're turning humans into cars then? Oh, so no, you... no, no. It's just, it's the moxie thing. No, I know that. I'm saying a human breathing is then creating carbon monoxide. Just like driving a oh, car. Oh, right. Okay. There you yeah, go. Right. <laughs> the NASA team behind <sighs> Moxie is running the unit in different modes to discover how well it works. Wow. That's absolutely stunning. We're making oxygen on Mars, just like Total Recall, just like we were programmed. It's predictive programming. They put it in the consciousness of millions and millions and millions of people as a potential for years and years and years. For years and years and years, that's a potential thing that could happen in this fictional world. Our subconscious believes it's real, and then it manifests through inspiration and people taking the action, not just inspired by seeing a movie with the technology, but somehow inspired ethereally to manifest these devices. This is why they put these futuristic devices in movies. So we manifest them. And here we go. News.sky.com. Mysterious rumblings from inside of Mars detected by NASA lander. The space agency's scientists believe the seismic events are caused by a sudden release of energy from the planet's interior. Ho, ho, ho. Scientists at NASA have reported an exciting detection by its inside lander on Mars, mysterious rumblings coming from the interior of the planet. I think that's fascinating because it doesn't have an atmosphere. So if life were living on Mars, if there were any humans there, if there's any humanoid creatures there, there's any living creatures there, they would be underground because, because they would then be protected from the cosmic radiation, the other radiation that's out there. We have that protection. Mars doesn't. The researchers believe the seismic events may be caused by a sudden release of energy from the planet's interior, but the nature of that release remains unknown and puzzling. Intriguingly, the new rumblings are believed to have originated in a location on Mars called Cerebrus Fosse, where two other previous candidate events are believed to have originated. Although these rumblings have sometimes been called Mars quakes, the planet is not believed to have a similarly active tectonic system like the Earth's that causes earthquakes. So they, they don't have tectonic activity like we do. There's nothing moving around and shifting and creating these interior phenomena that are happening. 
And curiously, the previous seismic events detected by the space agency's InSight lander, which arrived on the planet's surface in 2018, occurred almost a full Martian year ago, or two Earth years, during the Martian northern summer. Scientists had predicted the season would offer the lander its best opportunity to listen for quakes because the winds on the planet would become calmer. So there you go. There's some serious activity going on. From inside Mars. From inside Mars. Where, hey, who knows? We may have come from Mars. I don't know. I don't know anything, actually. (laughs) Just to let you know, in case you thought I did. We're also going back to the moon. I think that's really interesting. We just covered Mars a bunch. We're going back to the moon. SpaceX wins $2.9 billion NASA contract for lunar lander. This is from CNN.com. SpaceX secured a $2.89 billion NASA contract to build spacecraft that will land astronauts on the moon for the first time in five decades. The fixed price contract is a major vote of confidence for Elon Musk's rocket company as the space agency is placing a large amount of responsibility for its cornerstone human spaceflight program known as Artemis on SpaceX. Friday's announcement is a blow to Blue Origin, the rocket company founded by Jeff Bezos, which had proposed working as a national team alongside corporate behemoths such as Northrop Grumman and Lockheed Martin to design and build a lunar lander and to Alabama-based Dianetics, which had put it in its own bid. But ultimately, SpaceX won with its bid to use a spacecraft the company is already developing on its own in South Texas. That vehicle called Starship is the linchpin of Musk's personal goal of landing the first humans on Mars, back to Mars. Test flights of early Starship prototypes have all ended in explosions thus far. Oh. But the company's rapidly building new test vehicles to explode. The Artemis contract announcement signals that NASA is willing to put immense trust in SpaceX, which had an early history of butting heads with the space agency for its move fast and break things approach to rocket development. Now they don't like that because it costs them money. Somebody else does it a different way, a different paradigm. They don't like it. The space agency confirmed price was a major factor in its decision to move forward with one contractor. Well, you there you go. Elon okay. Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, we're going to Mars. We're going to the moon. We got two more stories for you. It's from the New York Post. It's kind of interesting. I don't, funny. Woman gashed in the head after turtle crashes through windshield. You just got to have like one weird, <laughs> totally out of this, this world. This is not story. about Mars. This is not, not about, about aliens. aliens. This is about a turtle. Spirituality. This is just about a turtle flying through somebody's windshield. Florida woman was hospitalized after a turtle smashed through the windshield of her car and hit her in the head. According to a report, 71-year-old was riding with her daughter on I-95 Wednesday morning when the reptile came crashing in. The daughter pulled over and got help from another motorist. She called the police. There's a turtle in there. The man could be overheard saying in a 911 
recording obtained by the newspaper. A turtle, the daughter exclaimed, an actual turtle. The gash in her mom's forehead drew a lot of blood, but didn't leave her seriously injured. Well, that's... Where did this turtle come from? They don't what? know where. It's a UFO. The flying turtle. The turtle. All UFOs are turtles. Problem solved. <laughs> Done. I figured it out. Turtles can fly. <laughs> Just turtles. They're freaking turtles, this people. Whole this time. whole time. <laughs> this whole freaking time. Okay. Wow. Have to end this Beyond the News episode on a positive note because we talk about so much strange things and we're just developing these Beyond the News episodes. So if they seem kind of, you know, stream of consciousness in the flow, well, that's how we are here at Midnight on Earth and we're just doing what we do and we really appreciate you being here. So I hope you enjoyed it. Here's one more story from Associated Press, APNews.com. NASA gives all clear. Earth safe from asteroid for 100 years, people. Woo! All yeah, right. Yeah, we're going to make it. So, for 100 years at least. I mean, on my 156th birthday, I'm going to be frustrated because there's probably going to be an asteroid strike. Here we go. Cape Canaveral, Florida. NASA has given Earth the all clear for the next century from a particularly menacing asteroid. The Space Agency announced this week that new telescope observations have ruled out any chance of Apophis smacking Earth in 2068. That's the same 1,100-foot space rock that was supposed to come frighteningly close in 2029 and again in 2036. NASA ruled out any chance of a strike during those two close approaches a while ago, but a potential 2068 collision still loomed. First detected in 2004, Apophis is now officially off NASA's asteroid risk list. 2068 impact is not in the realm of possibility anymore, and our calculations don't show any impact risk for at least the next 100 years. David Farnokia of NASA Center for Near-Earth Object Studies said in a statement Friday. Apophis will come within 20,000 miles of Earth on April 13th, 2029, enabling astronomers to get a good look at this asteroid that has been the poster child for hazardous asteroids, says Farnochia. Well, there you go. Midnight on Earth. Beyond the news, we touched on a bunch of subjects. We listened to some recordings. Please tell me what you think. Go to your email. Send me an email. Tell me it sucked. Tell me it was amazing. Tell me it was awesome. Actually, don't tell me it sucked. If you don't have anything nice, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Be honest with me. Tell me everything that you thought about this episode. We're developing this podcast. I need feedback. I really like to do these news episodes. I really enjoy analyzing what's going on at earth's news feed. So thank you, must you for have done some us. digging. I did a lot of digging. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Midnight on earth.